welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Hi there, this is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. In this week's episode, I had the chance to interview Joanna Penn of The Creative Pen. And Joanna is somebody that I've been following online through her books and courses and so on for some years now. But before I get into that interview, I want to explain a little bit about what I've been working on. Basically, for the last year or so, I've been writing a column for Forbes that explains how entrepreneurs can build their business, become more productive and so on. And to write those articles, I had the opportunity to interview and speak with a number of executives and CEOs and other people who've built profitable businesses around the world. And I've even got to speak to best-selling authors like Daniel Pink, who I interviewed in a previous episode of this podcast. Well, basically, based on the ideas that I discovered in these interviews, I've turned it all into a book called This Is Working. And the book is for entrepreneurs and for executives who either want to succeed in their business or at work. I've finished editing the final round of this particular book, and I'm currently finalizing the cover for the book with my designer. If all goes according to plan, I'll be able to publish the book sometime towards the end of April or early May. And that's something I hope to tell you more about in a future episode. So let's get into this week's episode. A few people online have helped me with my creative career, either directly through coaching or mentorship or indirectly through their books, courses and podcasts and so on. And Joanna Penn is one of those people who's helped me indirectly. I first started listening to Joanna's podcast back in 2014 when she actually said she was considering giving it up. It's 2019 and she's actually recommitted to the podcast for another two years. So over the past five years, Joanna's shows and her books have taught me valuable lessons about creativity, self-publishing, and even how to write books that sell on stores like Amazon. I was finally able to interview Joanna for this Become a Writer Today episode, and she explains how she approaches writing fiction and nonfiction books. She talks about why entrepreneurs rely on ghostwriters sometimes for writing their books, that is books that help them build their business. And she also reveals what our creative process looks like for fiction and nonfiction and why they differ. And we also get into the question that every aspiring author should ask themselves before they write their book. There's lots of other golden nuggets that I think you'll find helpful, whatever type of writer you are. So let's dive in. So hi, Joanna. It's great to talk to you. I've been following you online and reading some of your work for a while now. One of the more recent books I read was your book, How to Write a Nonfiction Book. And as somebody who writes nonfiction, it obviously resonated a lot with me. But I'm wondering if somebody wants to write a nonfiction book because they want to build their business, for example, or because they want to, you know, express an idea. Is that, is that something that they should do? Well, well, first of all, hello, Brian, and thanks for inviting me on the show. So in terms of, of writing nonfiction, I think there's often two ways that people come to it. And if people have a business, I still think these two things apply. So first of all, there's that kind of it bubbles up from the bottom idea, which is what happened with me with my first nonfiction book about career change. I just felt like I needed to write this book. And then the other way, when you have a business, a bit like you and I do uh, writing books for authors, is you have an audience already or you have a business already and you want to serve that existing market. So I think both of those are very valid reasons to write a nonfiction book. But if you're a business owner specifically, then you need to start thinking about what do I want to achieve 
with this book. Um, so that kind of gets into a more a nuanced question. For example, if you want to get more speaking gigs, for example, you might write a big, chunky, magnum opus um, book that will look good in hardback that might get you a traditional book deal and will be a good thing for speaking. But if you want to actually make some, let's say, income from the book, you might want to write three smaller books, which will probably make you more income than, than one. So those are some of the initial things to think about. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. In fact, I was talking to somebody recently and he was saying that if you set out to write a nonfiction book just with the purposes of increasing your income, perhaps because you know, it's something you want to do on the side, that's probably not the most efficient way to do it. And it should be about more than just earning an income. Is, is, is that something that you've noticed uh, over the years through writing your nonfiction books? Yeah, well, I think, again, there's two points to that. In terms of making money with nonfiction, most nonfiction authors have an ecosystem. So often the book is lead generation for other parts of their business. So again, maybe it's speaking, maybe it's products, maybe it's consulting, you know, editing services or other services. It might be software, it might be affiliate sales, that kind of thing. For example, I have a book called Successful Self-Publishing, which is free as an ebook. And I'm very happy to give it away for free because it's full of other things that people might decide to buy, which will make me some money. I think that's, that's one way to look at it is yes, the book may make a little bit of money from sales, but it will make you more money in that sort of reputation space or thinking about an ecosystem behind the book is a good idea. And then the other, we've got to also say that many people write a nonfiction book because they you know, want to share an experience. So they, um, you know, some people listening, you know, they might have that that thing inside them that they have to share or a story that they want to share to help other people. So I think nonfiction books can serve so many purposes. You know, they can build authority. They can, you know, you can work out what you think about something, which is pretty exciting. Or you can use it as an excuse for research into a topic that's really interesting. So I do think that money for nonfiction authors you know, is definitely up there and super important. But when you're, you're writing a book, I think it has to be more than money because it's, it's hard writing a book. <laughs> you and I both know that. So you have to have a bigger why behind your, your project, I think. You know, why are you doing this really? Who are you serving? How are you helping both yourself and also other people? Yeah, I, I definitely establishing the why is important. You know, perhaps it's to serve people like you're saying or it's because you you have that system that will help you grow your business. Recently, I read a nonfiction book by somebody who sells uh, software. I won't say who the person is, but the book was quite was excellent. But then I was kind of surprised and a little bit disappointed to find out that the person didn't actually write the book. They just hired a ghostwriter to write it. So that kind of leads me to the question, should somebody write their book themselves or should they perhaps hire somebody who can turn their ideas into something that they can publish? This is a great question. And there are two sides to this. There will be the purists, like you just said, you were disappointed. But the likelihood is, so I know ghostwriters, professional ghostwriters who do this for their job will spend a lot of time with the person that they are ghostwriting for. 
So, for example, a lot of very successful business people or media people will not write their books. Like if you see a memoir on the shelf by somebody famous, chances are they did not write that book. <laughs> I mean, writing is a specific skill. But what a ghostwriter will often do, let's say with a business person as, as the example, is they will sit down with that business person or they will interview that business person or they will listen to, you know, if you listen to my backlist of 400 podcasts, you could probably write a book in my voice. <laughs> so, you know, ghostwriters will become that ghost. They will take information and the voice of the person they're writing for and they will deliver that. So even if the person didn't actually type all of those words, then it's still, it's still come from them. It's still based on what they believe. So I'm probably of that. If you're running a successful business and you want to help other people with what you know, then what's the harm in hiring someone to help write your book? This is the thing about serving the audience um, and also serving your own purposes. Obviously, those business people, oh, let's take a political situation. You know, we, we see books coming out from people who are running for US president in a couple of years time. You know, that seems to be the trend. <laughs> so there's no way those people write, write their own books. Why should they? So I think that there are these two different sides, but just because you're a good writer doesn't make you good at business. And just because you're a great business person doesn't make you a good writer. And in fact, the more successful you are in your field, um, you know, probably it's better to hire an expert. What I would say to anyone thinking of hiring someone is please pay your ghostwriter appropriately. And there have been cases in the author community quite recently where ghostwriters have been used and there have been plagiarism issues. And I think that's got a lot to do with the way that people are treating ghostwriters. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with it as long as you are making sure it's your voice being shared and also that you're paying someone to be professional. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. When it comes to the productivity angle of writing a book and you want to write that book faster because you want to get it out into the world, is there anything that you've learned from writing you know, several nonfiction books over the years that you wish you'd known when you started out? Right. Well, I think the biggest thing with productivity, uh, well, first of all, the big question of what do you want to achieve with this book is going to help you <laughs> because, you know, if your goal is, okay, I've got a, you know, a, a business which is on communication skills for CEOs, then write a book on communication skills for CEOs. Like don't start writing a book on yoga unless you want to change your career or you want to do it for some creative project. So that's the first thing, like be very clear on what your definition of success who you're serving, what you want to achieve. That's going to stop you, um, in quotation marks, wasting words because you'll, you know what you're going to write. So the first thing is know what you're going to write. The second one is schedule time. Now, most successful people who, well, yeah, let's face it, who has any time? <laughs> it's not even uh, if you're top of your field in business, you know, you have to schedule the time to do the book. So what you'll need to do is actually, you know, get out your diary however you plan your time and put in blocks of time for this book. And if you say, oh, I'll just write when I have time, that is never going to happen. So definitely scheduling your time is probably the most important thing. And then one tip for nonfiction writers in particular, I say writers, is dictation. So this can be a way to get your first draft done very quickly. So yes, if you work with a ghostwriter, you can have someone interview you and they can write it for you. But if you dictate, uh, you can just speak into a recorder 
You can send that off to be transcribed and you can get a first draft of a book done pretty fast. This is especially good if you're a speaker because it's likely that you have, you know, PowerPoint decks or you have notes or you have things you've done for presentations and you can just perform that into a microphone, get it transcribed, and then you can start editing that into a book. And I think that that may help a lot of people who want to write nonfiction because it's getting the words down for that first draft that is so much hard work if you've never written a book before, even if you have written a book before. So those are important things. One other thing I'd say is structuring nonfiction is like critical. It's absolutely critical to structure your book in an effective way. Books are linear and they are more linear in an age of audiobooks. So audiobook nonfiction is huge. And in fact, my books are starting to sell more in audio for nonfiction than in ebook, for example. Print books still selling really well, but audiobook is taking off. And in a print book or an ebook, you can flip between chapters, but with an audiobook, people are listening in the car, on the commute. So you need to make sure you've structured the book so it makes sense in a journey for the reader. And that's where you might need help if you've not done this before, or even if you have, you need to be able to take your reader through that journey. So these are some tips. I'm glad you mentioned that about dictation. One of the lessons I've learned over the past few years is that writing isn't necessarily typing. And I've actually been using um, transcription services uh, to write articles faster. And, and that's helped me a lot, uh, particularly because I had RSI at one point from, from typing mm. all day. Yeah, I mean, also people can use uh, Dragon, which has now got a a cloud app for your phone called Dragon Anywhere. So you can be, you know, let's say you are in the car and you're stuck in a traffic jam, you can just kind of click it on and uh, dictate it a bit. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear you say that as uh, doing freelance articles, because, you know, that's the truth about typing, you get RSI. Whereas if you can kind of put on a headset or speak into your phone, your arms, your body, you can be, you can be walking, you can be you know, on the treadmill if you, you want not don't want to be outside. But dictation is growing. And in fact, the, the idea of voice first, I mean, you and I are talking and we're generating words from our voices. And then some people might get those words into their brain through listening. So we haven't even connected in a black and white sense, but we're still connecting with our words. So this is something I think is so important in a what is a rising voice first world, especially, you know, people interacting with their phones via voice assistance, you know, we're, we're moving into that kind of space. So definitely don't, you don't have to type your book for, for you to be a writer. Okay, so I've done my research for my book. I have my outline ready and I've decided whether I want to work with a ghostwriter or not. And now I'm sitting down to actually write the first draft of the chapters. Can I just make it up or do I really need to approach it like a journalist and use the facts? Oh, again, uh, it will totally depend on what type of book this is. So, uh, you know, if it's the history of Russia in the 18th century, (laughs) then yeah, do some research. (laughs) Um, But if it's like you and I write more, let's say, self-help, I mean, my book on how to write nonfiction Yes, I did a lot of research, but it's mainly from my experience. Now, I have um, used quotes, and this is definitely, um, I'm not a lawyer, etc., but I have used quotes and attributed those quotes from people that I've you know, researched. If you do surveys, you can do interviews, you have to make sure you have permission to use you know, survey quotes and things like that. But certainly, the idea of 
truth is going to depend on your uh, genre. So um, yeah, if your book is for history people, then it has to be true. Or I mean, even we've seen with politics, you know, we've seen some interesting stuff there too around you know, that needs good journalism. It needs, you know, backing up of quotes and fact checking. But I'm not going to fact check my book on how to write nonfiction. <laughs> so so this, this, again, will really depend on your, on your angle. I mean, most business people, if we're talking about that group in particular, who are writing a book, won't necessarily need to do lots of research because many nonfiction books come from the experience of the writer. So yeah, that's the main question. Um, what type of book is it and who are your audience? Is there anything I should know when it comes to getting my book ready from the point of view of branding? Do I need to make it match the brand of my business or can I go in a different direction? Yeah, well, I, I mean, if you are aiming to use the book as lead generation, then yes, I would say you want it to match the brand of your business. The brand is bigger than just the images, for example. So that's, um, the, you know, the sort of communication for CEOs that obviously has quite a corporate look about it. Whereas if you're writing something about yoga, that might have a very different feel. So and again, this will differ if you get a traditional publishing deal or if you want a traditional publishing deal or if you're in charge of the publishing process, uh, which a lot of nonfiction authors do now, especially if they, they have some money behind them. But I would say that, yes, you will generally want to match the brand of your book with your, with your niche. So I published my book on Amazon. Do you think people will notice or will they care whether it was self-published or traditionally published? Uh, no. So um, regardless of, of where your book is, readers don't really shop by publisher. They don't go into a shop and say, hey, give me the latest Wiley book. Um, or they don't go on Amazon and type latest Wiley book. <laughs> you know, they, they're actually looking for a topic. Um, they're searching for an answer. So actually, this is a little tip on marketing for nonfiction is, yes, you want your a nonfiction book title to be SEO, you know, search engine optimized. So that's why my book is called How to Write Nonfiction. I think yours is as well. <laughs> because, you know, if people are looking for that, then that's how they can find it. So I do, I think that the main thing if you're going down the independent publishing route, and I know a lot of nonfiction authors who do this, is that you want to use professional designers, the same professionals that traditional publishers use these days. And then you can do things like hardbacks now through Ingram Spark. You know, you can do your audiobook. Um, in fact, many nonfiction authors want to read their audiobooks themselves. You can hire a studio, you can hire a director. All of these things are possible if you have a budget. And of course, if you want your book to be in bookstores, libraries, all of that, that's fine too. Like these days, you can use Ingram Spark for your print books uh, as well as the established sorts of Amazon, Kobo, iBook, Apple Books, that type of thing. Um, and then with audio, you can use ACX, you can use Findaway Voices, and you can have your audio in just as many places, in fact, more places than uh, traditional publishers. So that's a lot of new skills for somebody to learn for the first time. Uh, so how do you balance learning new skills about writing and publishing books versus running your business and all the other things that I suppose you need to do? Great question. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm, I'm learning a lot right now. I am doing fiction narration, which is quite different for me. But firstly, I'd say that anyone who is in the entrepreneurial space is someone who loves to learn. I don't think you can be a successful entrepreneur without loving learning in some way. So 
I think for me, yes, you learn the skill you need. So if you're someone who hasn't written a book before, hasn't published a book before, then sure, write the book, forget everything else. You can learn that later. It's kind of just-in-time learning. It's also important to do just-in-time learning because the markets change every day. I mean, it really is only in the last six months that we've seen an explosion of possibilities for publishing audio around the world. I mean, it's very exciting what's happening um, right now. Uh, So yeah, I think the balance for me is Every day I try and create something new and every day I'm also, I have time for running my business and that might be marketing, that might be, you know, learning something new, writing an article, whatever. So yeah, I think as long as you try and make time for creation and also business time, then, um, then you'll be fine. Do you have an ideal early morning routine or do you see what happens on a particular day? Well, uh, it depends. If I'm in first draft creation mode, then I am generally at a local cafe by 7am and I do kind of 7 till 9.30 and then I go do some exercise. So I mentioned yoga, I go to yoga or I go spinning, for example, or go for a walk uh, because I find two and a half hours of creation and I'm, you know, my brain is dead. And then I'll come back, probably do some admin. So I try and do my creation before my emails. If I'm in first draft mode, I'll book some time at a local co-working space to write. I, I can't create fiction, especially at my desk where we're talking right now, I feel that having a different physical space for creation versus business admin marketing stuff is super important for me. Because when I'm here at this business desk, I'm like, oh my goodness, my to-do list is huge. I need to do all this. But when I'm away, when I'm focused on creation, I don't do any of that. I don't even think about it. So if, if people are struggling with that, make sure you have a different physical space to create as to the physical space where you do everything else that you have to do in your life. And if you're struggling, you know, maybe you've got kids like you do, then it might be that you have to go to a cafe. I find that noise cancelling headphones are magic <laughs> in the local cafe or, you know, book a room in a co-working space as well. Yeah, I've, I've done all of those things. There's actually a library nearby where I live as well. So, so sometimes I go there. I was also interested about your idea about flow state. Do you think it's possible to enter a flow state for, for two and a half hours every day when you're new at this? Or is it something that you have to kind of cultivate over time? Uh, I would say that possibly 1% of any creative work is written in flow. <laughs> I mean, I think the flow state is not is not something you are necessarily waiting for. I mean, Stephen King says it, you know, don't wait for the muse. The muse may eventually turn up if you're in the same place every day from nine till three, I think he says. I mean, Stephen King writes a lot more than I do. But yeah, so I think writing, well, I mean, you're you're a freelance writer and I think that's the attitude. Freelance writers are often very successful with book sales because you have that attitude, which is, yeah, I write words. That's what I do. There's nothing mysterious necessarily about writing words. It's just something I do. And I think that's what you have to start with. So you go to the page and even if you, nothing comes out, if you're like, I don't know what I'm writing, then you just start writing. I don't know what I'm writing or you, whatever you're going to do, um, find a writing prompt. Um, but essentially you, once you make the time, if you turn up on the page, you're going to start writing. And then occasionally there are those wonderful periods when you go, wow, okay, that's all right. I'll take that. And um, I actually find the, f- the flow state probably happens more with fiction than nonfiction. I feel like nonfiction, your focus should be on serving a customer of always thinking of the person who's going to read it 
so yeah, I think flow is a really interesting thing, but definitely don't wait for the flow or don't wait for the muse. Just uh, get down there and do the work. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. You've got to turn up and hit your work count for the day. One other thing I suppose I'm interested in is what's working right now when it comes to uh, selling books. Like it seemed like last year was a great year for Amazon ads. And I know you touched on audiobooks there. Is there anything else in particular that you think people should know about? Well, I think more and more that your marketing strategy has to be based on what you enjoy doing because otherwise it's going to kill you. So yeah, if you want to sell eBooks on Amazon or even print books on Amazon, then doing Amazon ads is a great strategy. But say you want to sell books on Kobo or say you want to sell audiobooks in Ireland or say you want to get um, books into libraries in you know, Australia, then your marketing strategy will be different depending on the the market you want to serve. Or say you say you do have this book on, let's say, communication for CEOs, then maybe the best thing for you to do is actually uh, target speaking conventions for that target market and actually sell books um, bulk into those markets that have nothing to do with Amazon. So there are completely different marketing strategies depending on what your goal is and what you enjoy, as I say. So I've based my business on really um, content marketing, so blogging, podcasting, which works very well for nonfiction. Um, Whereas I'd say, you know, social media, yeah, it can be useful, but you're going to get much more bang for your buck in terms of time spent. If you're as a talking to CEOs, you actually speak at a CEO conference, for example. So I would say there are no rules with marketing. It's all about who are your audience? Where do they hang out? What do you want to achieve? And then think before jumping onto the latest thing. Finally, Joanna, we talked a lot about nonfiction, but if I've been listening to your podcast carefully, I, I understand that your focus for 2019 is going to be uh, fiction and your own new podcast. Yes, uh, indeed. So I write fiction as J.F. Penn. So, and I'm now podcasting as Joe Francis Penn at booksandtravel.page. And so it's interesting because it is a kind of nonfiction way of trying to sell fiction uh, because all my thrillers are based on different places. So the new podcast is very much looking at what are the places behind people's books both fiction and nonfiction. So yeah, I write thrillers and it's super fun. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I still like both writing fiction and nonfiction. I feel it gives me a kind of good creative balance. But people can find out more about the nonfiction at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. Thanks, Joanna. It was great to talk to you. Thanks so much, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.